0: You're happy with what you're doing, but you've been thinking about what's next for your career. Or a recruiter reaches out to you with an intriguing opportunity. Or maybe you've just decided it is certainly time to make a transition. All reasons you might want to connect with a recruiter. But where do you start? On this episode, how to work with an executive recruiter. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 406. Produced by Innovate Learning. Maximizing Human Potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show helps you discover leadership wisdom through insightful conversations, and I bet one of the conversations you've had in your career at least once perhaps a number of times is working with a recruiter this is a topic that comes up often in conversations within our academy within our listening community and certainly with clients i've worked with over the years on i'm thinking about making a transition or maybe someone reached out to me but i'm not really sure how to work with a recruiter, and what is the right way to approach that relationship, and where do I even begin? Today, we're going to see if we can answer a lot of those questions and get us started on the journey of how to work with a recruiter when the time is right. I'm glad to welcome to the show today Becky D'Souza. Becky is with Connexus Talent Acquisition Solutions. She is a partner and has dedicated over 20 years of her career to developing effective solutions for talent development and recruiting. Becky spent 11 years running DreamWorks Animation's corporate recruiting team. Today, she leads the human resources recruiting practice with Conexus. Becky, I am so glad to welcome you to the show.
1: Hello, Dave. I'm happy to be here. Thank you.
0: My pleasure. Well, we should probably, even though I have tons of like logistics questions for you on how to work with a recruiter, we should probably start big picture. And when someone's thinking about entering a career search or maybe is in the incubation stages, what would be the things that would prompt them to think why they would want to use a recruiter?
1: Well, I think a lot of times, especially in this market, it's very competitive. We're very, very busy And the thought of having an expert, someone that can represent them in the market is very favorable, something that I think people uh, look towards, even for insights and industry insights as well, especially if somebody's coming back into the market after having been comfortable or settled in a role for several years. It's nice to have someone guiding you through this process. It's a process that can often be daunting and stressful, I think, for a lot of people as well.
0: One of the things you've shared with me that I I certainly didn't know about, and I think probably many in our audience may not appreciate either, is just the different kinds of firms that are out there doing executive recruiting. Could you share a bit about just what that landscape looks like and where you and your firm land in that landscape?
1: Absolutely. There's many different types of firms. You've everything from an individual executive recruiter that's a sole practitioner up to these larger, national, even global search firms. And I think that there's variations in between, but I think it's it's important to think about your search and your skill set to align with the right type of partner. And you can have, you know, obviously I mentioned the sole practitioners. I think you've also got regional firms and that's really where Connexus falls. We're primarily focused on Southern California and we have expanded to other parts of California, but I'd say the bulk of our business and our, our wonderful client partners are in the greater Los Angeles area. And so when you're looking at these different size search firms, you can also look at them from either an industry specific focus or even a functional focus. And by that, I mean maybe somebody specific in financial services or entertainment, and that's an industry that you're either in or want to be in. Um, There are also functional-focused recruiters, such as myself, who focuses on human resources. My partners focus on accounting and finance. And so for someone that has a skill set in these areas, we can ultimately represent them across multiple industries. And then once again, as you look at the larger national or even global firms, their scope is, is obviously much larger. They're typically working with some of these global organizations. However, within those larger organizations, they are also usually broken down by either industry practices or functional practices, such as operations or logistics and supply chain, You know, something along those lines. And so I think an individual could align with more than one. You, you may decide that having a great regional or a local recruiter is great because it helps you keep a pulse on your local market. But likewise, if you're at a role that's senior enough where you're really looking out for the next great opportunity, and it might be in a different state or even a different country, having a couple contacts in those larger national firms can be really beneficial as
0: well. This begs the question for me of how to start that process? Because my sense is this is a really challenging point for folks when they've progressed to the point in their career where maybe they're thinking about using a recruiter and they don't know how to start or build those relationships or even know like which firms uh, fall into those different categories you just mentioned. When you are advising someone or working, if someone's working with a recruiter for the first time, what's a good starting point for them?
1: Well, I think there's there's no right or wrong answer. We joke that it's a little bit like real estate sometimes. Once you dip your toe in, it, 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 things just sort of take off. But I think in order to find or align with a recruiter that's a right fit for you, there's several things you can do. You can network with your peer groups, your colleagues. You may not always want to ask somebody within your own company or organization about that uh, a referral because you may not want them to, to be aware that you're considering a change. But even colleagues that are maybe outside your specific organization, maybe in a network networking group. or I also talk to a lot of people who say, oh, I've been contacted by a recruiter before or somebody's reached out to me on LinkedIn. I think a key or a recommendation that I make to a lot of people is, obviously, you don't have to respond to every single outreach, but occasionally take a call, even if you're not looking or you're not in a period where you're considering change. Having that networking call, really viewing it like an extension of your business networking is really important because also it can help you understand the changes in the market and ensure that you're remaining competitive from a compensation perspective, from a skill set perspective. Also, it allows you to hear who's hiring, who's out in the market. And so I think once again sort of taking those initial phone calls or and maybe it's once a quarter, maybe it's twice a year, just investing in a little bit of time to to hear what they have to say and see if there's a connection or you feel you could possibly make or build a long-lasting relationship with with one of these individual recruiters.
0: A lot of folks in our community have gotten those calls and the term I've typically heard referred to Someone who makes that call as a headhunter. Is there a distinction between a headhunter and a recruiter, or anything we should know as far as differences between those?
1: I think, it, in all honesty, at a, at a high level, the roles, uh, the titles are very interchangeable. There is a little bit deeper of a meaning. I think when you when you mention a headhunter, one skill set that they have is that they may interact with or work with a candidate and represent them and really take them to market. So it's that concept of these are my skills. We want to work together. I'm going to help you find a job. So I'm going to try to market you into either some of my existing clients or even into companies that maybe they haven't worked with in the past. Whereas there's another approach where maybe a recruiter has a client list or a, a client roster, if you will, and they have specific openings that they're working on where they may reach out to you. So it's just that difference of somebody approaching you with a specific one or two positions to see if you're interested versus someone who's going to invest a little bit more in actually marketing you, at, you know, out to hiring companies.
0: Fascinating. Okay. So one of the other things that I, I know people wonder about with this, and maybe who haven't gone down this route before, maybe even nervous about, is how the money stuff works. How does a recruiter typically get paid? Should the candidate expect to have to pay for services? Does the company, the hiring organization do that? How does that work?
1: The traditional recruiting model is where the typically the, the company or the client is paying the, the, the fees. And it's oftentimes a percentage of annual salary or a first year's total cash package. And so usually the burden there falls on the hiring company. However, there are some specific recruiters or headhunters, especially at a very high level, where the fee might be incurred by the candidate. And I think that's going to be more common in that dynamic I mentioned, where they're actively marketing you to companies. So they're investing their time and energy into representing you in the market. And sometimes there is a cost with that because they want to ensure that they're recouping some of their expenses, if you will, for their time that they're dedicating to your search.
0: Is there anything that you see occasionally that you would suggest people watch out for around compensation or financial exchange on, on anything like that that's uh, that's a little different?
1: Look, the, the discussions around compensation, I think that's probably one area where I sense the most hesitation or I feel that candidates become nervous having that discussion. Some people, it's very easy to talk about compensation and earnings. Other people, it's a little awkward. I think that's the type of thing people tend to want to keep close to the vest. Obviously, there are laws in place now in our state and in a few other states in the country where companies are no longer able to ask you what your past salary history has been or your past earnings. They can only talk to you about the future. And so I think one thing that I I would recommend, even if it's a national search and, and maybe you don't even know the laws of a particular state that you'd consider a job in, is probably shying away from discussions around salary history, at least initially, and really focusing more on target compensation and what you're looking for. And I think as you build a relationship and you build more trust with your recruiter, you're going to sort of allow the relationship to evolve and and begin to talk more transparently with your recruiter and that's something that I, I i hope we'll talk about a little bit too is building that rapport and and what types of things do you discuss with with your individual recruiter But I think, once again, starting a little conservatively with sharing information around compensation, focusing more on what you're seeking, and then as the relationship evolves, or quite honestly, if you're speaking about a very specific position where you can ask them to share what is the budget. Because some of those same laws that are disallowing companies to ask you about your salary history, there's also components where if you are interviewing for or engaging in, in a search process, you have the ability to ask someone what is your budget and there's an obligation that they give you a range.
0: Ah, okay, got it. All right, this is, this is great. So there's three key areas that you have identified that folks should know about when they're beginning to work with a recruiter. And one of those is what you just mentioned of really making the commitment to engaging, getting to know your recruiter, allowing them to get to know you. Tell me more about that. What does that look like of really engaging in an authentic way with a recruiter?
1: Exactly. And I think the amount of engagement and the time that you plan to invest will probably directly correlate to how interested are you in making a change. And I think that's an important topic of conversation that at our firm, and I I personally like to ask early on in my conversations, are you just beginning to search? Are you curious what's out there, or are you genuinely ready to make a change? Everybody's situation is different. Some people may be unhappy, some people may be concerned that there there are financial challenges coming with their company, or maybe they've taken a sabbatical or a break. That's becoming more and more common, I think, as well, at least in in our region. And so I like to understand how interested are you? How aggressive are you in your search? It's important to know that if I'm going to submit you or send you out to one of my clients, I want to know if things go really well and it comes to an offer stage, are you serious about making a move? And so you don't want to waste your recruiter's time. You don't want to waste your own. So I think b- being open about your how serious you are about a change is really important. Because if you are really serious and you are going to actively begin to look and you're open to going on interviews, you need to invest some time. I like to get to know my candidates over a series of calls, maybe even video conferences, meeting in person when we can. And then as I begin to represent you and even send you out on interviews, I like to do you know, a prep call, if you will, before every meeting with the client. I want you to know who you're meeting, what they're looking for, and uh, making sure they understand the job description and specifications. And then also after each interview, being willing to reach back out to your recruiter and talk about the experience. Was it positive? Were there any red flags, etc.? just to truly debrief and be on the same page with regards to the process. My goal is never to have any surprises, and I, I would also want that same dynamic for for any candidates that I'm working with.
0: So I'm really curious about this. Um, I recall years ago working with a recruiter for a position, and I don't even recall the position, but I remember thinking at some of the things you just mentioned at the, that early stage and also after an interview would happen of like debriefing with the recruiter, I always felt... A bit awkward being transparent, of like talking about how the interview went, because I I just wasn't sure where that information was going to go. Do you find that that is a bit of an obstacle for folks in being transparent with the recruiter? And what should we lean in on that? Is it is it better for us to really have that transparency? I'm just I'm just wondering how to navigate that.
1: Sure, I understand. I I think once again, this is going to vary a bit based on your relationship. If this is a recruiter that you're talking to for the first time or one that you know much better, I I think that you're going to have to use your judgment and your, your feelings, honestly, to decide how much information do I disclose. Most of the time, we're working with people. Not all, but most of the time, there's a confidential nature. People are looking For a change, and they don't want their current employer to know, or they just don't want it to get out into the market. And so I think you also need to build that level of trust and you need to communicate that to your recruiter. How serious is it? I don't want this getting out. These are, you know, my employer might react negatively if they are made aware. And so you need to have those conversations with your recruiter also, just about the level of confidentiality around your search. The nature of what we do, I view myself as an HR practitioner, the nature of what we do, there's a high level of confidentiality. And so I take that very seriously. There have been instances in my past, maybe even when I was in-house at DreamWorks, where sometimes the information gets out there. It, it you know it's a small world especially in the entertainment space and there's a lot of damage control that you have to do it, it can be very very difficult it could hurt your reputation as a recruiter as a firm and so I think we pride ourselves personally on the confidential nature of the work that we do and so I think you need to test I don't testing is probably not the right way to describe it you need to feel a level of trust with your recruiter and and I think that's Also being prepared and sort of doing your homework. If you've never worked with a firm before, if you weren't referred to them, you should ask questions like, who are your clients? What are some of the the searches that you've done in the past? Just to give yourself a level of comfort in that you feel that you can can build a trusting relationship with your individual recruiter.
0: I'm hearing you say two really key things there. First of all is, you know, you want to, it's okay to ask questions like that, right? If you don't have the clarity on what that looks like and policies and procedures. And the other thing I'm I'm hearing you say too is, you know, this is a small world. And Be open and authentic with people. If you're not serious about making a move, don't say that you are serious and then burn a bridge because, like you said, it is a small world. Industries, people know each other. And today's opportunity may not be the right one for you, but you then miss out on the opportunity down the road because you've burned a bridge with a recruiter, might have helped you down the road.
1: Exactly. Yes, exactly. And, And I think it's okay to engage with a recruiter and let them know. I'm just interested in getting to know you, hearing a little bit more about your practice and your client groups. And if the timing is not right now, let's build a relationship. Let's keep in touch. Why don't you tell me what your ideal next career move would look like? And that way, if it comes across my desk, I can tell you about it. Mm -hmm. And I think that dynamic happens fairly often because like, like you mentioned, you never know when that perfect dream job could come across the desk of your recruiter. And if you don't engage with them and you don't get to know them and build a relationship, you might not hear about it.
0: One of the other mantras you have for folks is to be prepared, keeping your resume and LinkedIn up to date, and also knowing that a good recruiter can help you with that a bit. Tell me more about what you're looking for on your end of that preparation level
1: sure absolutely and and we still talk to a lot of people who haven't updated their resume it, it's not the end of the world however i think in this market this competitive job market things can go really quickly things are fast moving good people don't stay on the market very long so i feel like companies and employers are beginning to understand that and are willing to move a little bit more quickly as well so having your resume updated or at least having your most recent position on your resume, I think is really key. Inevitably our jobs change month over month, year after year. So yes, you may need to go back in and make some some changes or some updates, even to align more specifically with an opportunity, but I do think it's really important to keep it up to date. And I think with the, the changes in social media and your individual brand, I also think it's really important to keep your LinkedIn profiles up to date. If you're doing it continually and, and adding information and you know potentially even updating your picture every few years so people don't look at it and think, wow, that that's 10 years ago and, and get a little laugh out of it. Just keeping things up to date allows you to be more prepared. It allows you to be found, quite honestly. If, if you don't have your resume up, updated and or your LinkedIn profile, People that are out there looking and networking and looking for your specific skill set might not find you. I think, too, the, the concept of LinkedIn as well has really evolved quite a bit, in my opinion. And so I recommend to people that they don't just have your company name and your job title, even have a, some descriptions of what you're doing, what your job entails. And you can almost use LinkedIn as your resume. If everything is updated on LinkedIn and somebody reaches out to you, you can just copy and paste. You can pull things from LinkedIn and and add them back to your resume. You know, the days of of people saying, oh, my gosh, I couldn't even find my resume. I had to completely rebuild it. That shouldn't happen. You can use LinkedIn. You can use some of your social media outlets as a repository, if you will, for your background and and for your resume. And I also think, too, I, I see more and more people looking at you as an individual not just from LinkedIn but even going into you know doing a search go on Google and type your name and see what comes up going into even Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and trying to find you and so I think it's important if you're going to embark on a search to really look holistically at your social presence and making sure that if you have a Facebook profile that you're very active on, that you have privacy settings in a way. You can also set up LinkedIn in a way where people don't reach out to you about new opportunities or they do reach out about new opportunities. So I find a lot of times people who haven't been on the market for a while may have questions around LinkedIn and really understanding its full functionality.
0: We've done a couple of episodes in the past on LinkedIn, so I'm going to link to that in the show notes here. So for those who really want to do a deep dive on this, um, you can and do some of the real practical things. One of the things I'm wondering about with this, Becky, is—and I feel like this is such a naive question in a way— but. I I keep seeing these articles of, you know, the resume's dead. (laughs) You know, it's all about LinkedIn these days. It's all about your online portfolio. Is there still a place for the resume? Is that something you still use as distinct from a social media profile or LinkedIn in your work? And is that something that employers are looking for?
1: Yes, we, we still use resumes. There are instances where, and this is the differentiator here is if you truly have your LinkedIn profile up to date it can take the place of the resume but i still see that it's it's rare that people have as much information and detail on linkedin as they actually have in their resume and so people may be interested in looking at your profile on linkedin but they're usually going to want something that's a little bit deeper dive and that's where i think the resume comes into play really listing technology listing projects listing successes experiences that sometimes people aren't as comfortable putting on to LinkedIn, quite honestly. So I do think that there's definitely a place for both. But what I think is important is that you build consistencies between the two. That if somebody looks at your resume and they look at, at LinkedIn, that there's a similar message, that there is a similar story that, they're, that you're telling about your own background.
0: Yeah. And also I'm hearing you say the other parts of your online presence too. So the things we may not traditionally think of first, but it's not hard for folks to go find your Facebook or Twitter or Instagram profile. And so if those send a very different story about you or don't represent you in the same way, then that might be a red flag for a recruiter and certainly for a client organization too.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think at at the higher levels that you go, there's more about you in my opinion, online, whether it's sitting on panels or, or you know, being involved in, in networking groups or sitting on boards. And so once again, you you just want to go out there and check every once in a while. I worked with somebody who was wonderful recently, who had some negative press because of, you know, they worked in a city government role and the mayor left on really bad terms and their name was attached to it somewhat. So even just knowing that's out there, and that leads to the transparency again, talking to your recruiter and explaining, they may find this about me. I'm not going to go to my client and say, this is out there. But if they do come across it, I need to be knowledgeable so I can address why it happened and and give more of the backstory. So I think really going online and understanding what does my social presence look like, Sometimes there's nothing you can do about it. Other times there are things that you can do about it to to improve it.
0: You hit on one of the other key areas that you encourage for folks, and we've talked a bit about this throughout the conversation. But it's being transparent and being honest and forthcoming with the recruiter about what you've done, what you want to do, and also your salary expectations. We talked a bit about salary at the beginning with the recruiter specifically. Where should that enter into the conversation?
1: Sure. I, I think transparency is key throughout the process. Obviously, like you said, we've talked about it several times. And so I think that really committing to that is important. Once again, I keep talking about this level of trust, but if, if this individual is going to be representing you to companies, you need to ensure that they have all the, the relevant information. And so I think telling them, okay, I have done these things in the past. This is my experience. This is what I really want to do in the future. This is the types of roles I'm interested in, the type of work I'm interested in, and allowing them or trusting them to, to represent you to those types of opportunities. And I think, too, as we discussed, you know, talking about compensation, being very, very clear about what it's going to take for you to be willing to make a change or for you to accept an offer. I think that's really important as well.
0: So much of this is just, uh, I'm hearing like so much as we talk about in leadership. It's not just hitting today's numbers. It's building a relationship for the future and developing people. And I hear that same thing here of, yes, there may be a specific opportunity that comes up that triggers the relationship with the recruiter, but not just to think about this in a, in a as a transactional nature, of course, but to think about this, how do I build a relationship with a recruiter if this works out great? If it doesn't, that will help me to maybe f- uncover the next opportunity down the road.
1: Absolutely. And I think taking those calls or even acknowledging a message that might be sent through LinkedIn about right now is not the right time, or I'm very happy, or I've just landed somewhere new. We hear that often. And and timing is really important. I I run my practice from the perspective of long-term relationships. If it's not the right fit now, that is absolutely fine. We're interacting, we're building this relationship for the future. And I think that's where a functional recruiter, somebody that specializes in your specific area, like HR, finance, legal, you know, whatever the the functional focus is, or once again, somebody that maybe focuses in an industry that you want to be in, can be very, it can be a very beneficial relationship. And I also think that even introducing them to other peers and colleagues or, or recommending someone that you do know is looking. You know, it, it's all about networking in the professional sense. And you can even build a great relationship. I've become friends with some of the people I represent just because we've enjoyed working together. We have common interests. It's a long-term relationship that I look forward to maintaining.
0: It's funny you mentioned that. I was just thinking as you were saying that my wife built a relationship years ago with a recruiter who she never worked with herself. But that person has sent her position. She has referred other people many, many times over the years, and they've built a wonderful working relationship, even though they haven't worked together directly. And so it's a great reminder for us to be building these relationships and be thinking about our presence across industry. And one of the other things I'm curious about, too, is when you talk with employers these days and hear about Trends, What would you like candidates to know today who are thinking about making a career change that employers are wanting and and looking for or that you're hearing from that maybe people aren't aware of?
1: Sure. I think that the trends are evolving and changing a little bit. I think given the competitive nature, again, of the market, I think employers have to be a little bit more flexible and think more about the skill sets, the competencies that they're looking for. Because the days of saying, I wanted to find these five criteria and the candidate has to have them all, I think those days are, are changing and are numbered because just the market is so tight. So I think people do tend to move a little bit more towards competency-based assessments and interviewing styles to really look at future success. And so I think that's where being creative, thinking deeply about what you enjoy, what makes you happy, what you want to do, and really being able to communicate that well. And I think that's where a recruiter could really help someone. There are often opportunities where I may be sharing a candidate profile or resume with a, a client and talking them through it because I have the client's ear. So you're already making it past a couple levels of the screening process. It's, it's much stronger dynamic than trying to apply to a job or you know, even trying to reach out to a company directly. The relationship and the trust is typically already there with my clients as well as with my candidates. So it's, it's really that concept of making matches and introducing like-minded people to what could potentially be a very successful match or career opportunity.
0: You mentioned assessment a moment ago. It was something that one of our Academy members wondered about is when working with a candidate. uh, Is there a process of assessment you go through as far as using assessments themselves or some sort of assessment process that your firm uses?
1: Exactly. I think to to call it an assessment, I, I feel it's probably a little bit of an overstatement. It's a little bit more organic in our firm. I think the reason that is, is because our recruiters are more tenured, and I think we're also functionally focused. So we have the ability to look at meet candidates, talk to candidates, and really understand potential fit. But I also think we do focus on that competency-based model, or you know, it used to be called a behavioral type of assessment, where you're really trying to evaluate the skill sets. Not only looking at what companies have you worked for and what jobs have you held, but what types of skills do you have and competencies that could really be a match with our client? I think when surveys or assessments are being used, it's usually because there's a larger pool of candidates or it's a larger company. And quite honestly, they're doing it as an initial screen. And I feel like in some of the smaller firms, in my firm especially, we feel like we have the, a lot of the expertise needed to help our clients sort of cut to the chase if you will and and get to the candidates that are truly the right match.
0: This has been so helpful and you've been so kind to offer for folks to connect with you on LinkedIn if they'd like to make a connection or maybe have some more questions. Um and as you mentioned earlier I know you primarily work in Southern California but you all are part of a larger network of uh, recruiting organizations and so potentially if folks are looking for have that first question or wanting to make that connection sounds like reaching out on LinkedIn might be a good way to do that and we will put the link for your profile in the show notes and also in this week's weekly leadership guide. That'd be a good way for folks to reach out.
1: Absolutely. I'd be happy to to be in contact.
0: Perfect. Uh, my my final question for you is, you know, in, in leadership, we're always changing our mind on things. We're learning new things. We're discovering things along the way. Over the last few years, as you've grown this practice, as you've worked with candidates, as you've worked with employers, what have you changed your mind on? I think there
1: there's several things, of course. The industry is constantly evolving. I think one thing that stands out in my mind is probably around tenure. And I, I personally have been with the companies that I've worked with DreamWorks eleven years. I was you know with a, a national staffing firm nine years prior to that. I, I had this mindset about, people really appreciating and looking at strong leaders as those who have a lot of tenure. I think because of the face of industry and business in LA and its evolution with a lot of startups, I have really changed my mind about that. There are some amazing people out there that are available and doing an amazing job that have maybe worked in a company for nine months or a year or two years. And I think I used to go through a resume and and make some assessments before even talking to an individual. That's one thing I've changed personally is is really trying to go into a conversation or a meeting without preconceived notions and really looking at the candidate at, at face value and what they contribute and bring to the table.
0: Becky D'Souza with Conexus Talent Acquisition Solutions. Becky, thank you so much for your time.
1: Absolutely, thank you, Dave. It's been a pleasure.
0: If you found this conversation useful, several other episodes that will also be helpful to you. Uh, First of all, we mentioned in this conversation the importance of LinkedIn, especially in times of career transition. But of course, keeping it up to date throughout your career these days is pretty important for most of us, I would encourage you to listen to episode 285, How to Write a Killer LinkedIn Profile, with my guest, Brenda Bernstein. Brenda is an expert on LinkedIn. She has the best-selling book on how to write a LinkedIn profile on Amazon, and in that episode, we went into great detail on the kinds of things you should be thinking about around your LinkedIn profile How to approach LinkedIn strategically, and then also some of the tactical things that you can do in order to leverage the power of. LinkedIn, and we utilized uh, some of the profiles of the folks in our listening audience who had sent them in in advance of that episode. And we looked at some of the real life suggestions in order to help people's profiles become more effective. So if that is something that's top of mind for you, episode 285 is a place to go. And also helpful to you, will be just thinking about maybe where you're going next. Uh, we mentioned in this conversation, one of the reasons you may reach out to recruiters just because you're starting the thinking process and you want to build that relationship And one of the questions that often comes up in that process is, well, what do I want? Where do I want to head next in my career? How do I figure it out? What's my calling? Two past guests that have really built their professional lives around helping folks to answer that question. One of them is my friend Scott Anthony Barlow. He's been on the show a couple of times and he was on episode 259. Our topic was how to figure out your career. Scott really did a masterful job in that episode of helping to really help us build a framework around what our career should look like, what are some of the big guideposts we want to be thinking about along the way, and how to begin figuring out what's next. He's masterful at helping people to do that work, and uh, his whole organization is built around that. In that episode, there's also a link to a free course that he offers online, still does, so there's links to all of that on episode 259. Also, a conversation that'll be helpful from another expert is Ken Coleman. He was on the episode 352 talking about how to find your calling. Ken Coleman is with Dave Ramsey's organization. He has a very popular show himself built around helping people to answer that question and find what's next in their careers. It was a really insightful conversation we had on what are the kinds of things you can think of, and also just some of the mindset around making a career transition. Again, that's episode 352. And then finally, maybe you're on the other side of the Uh, relationship now. You are looking for that ideal person, that person to bring in. Maybe you're even working with a recruiter yourself. On episode 301, we talked about how to get the ideal team player. My guest was Patrick Lencioni. We talked in detail about his recent book of the same name, The Ideal Team Player, and talked about some of the three key elements to Be looking for so many useful and practical things from Patrick Lencioni on that episode. Again, that's episode 301. So much more as well in the online episode library. One of the categories you'll find for those of you who have your free membership set up is recruiting and hiring. Another one is career growth. This episode will be under both of those areas. And you can also track down tons more by setting up your free membership on the Coaching for Leaders com website if you haven't already. It will allow you to be able to search by topic the entire episode library around recruiting and hiring, around career growth, and many other topics. You'll also get access to my free 10-day audio course titled 10 Ways to Empower the People You Lead. If you'll give me just 10 minutes a day for 10 days, it'll help you to get the most immediate, practical actions to become a better leader, plus access to my book notes, the member cast, the weekly leadership guide, all of it for free. So you're missing out if you haven't been on the website yet. Go to coachingforleaders.com, set up your free membership, and you'll be off and running with full access to everything. Next week, Bonnie and I return for the monthly question and answer show. You can submit your question for consideration next week or for the first question and answer show the first Monday of every month. Just go over to coachingforleaders.com slash feedback to submit your question for consideration. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this conversation useful, pass it along to someone else who may benefit from knowing how to work effectively with a recruiter. Have a great week and see you next Monday.